But I, I love church families like this. It is a joy, an absolute joy to get to preach to you. Now, I would love to talk more. Old men like to do that. But I've only got, preachers allotted me four hours tonight. And it's a ten-hour subject, so I've got to get started. Now listen, let me say at the onset, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is, is impossible to cover in one message. And so what, what I'm going to do is what I generally do is speak a few doctrinal truths and try to get us to understand those. But then what practically does it mean for us to be believers that possess the Holy Spirit of God within our hearts? And how is it that we can walk realizing the fullness of the Spirit in our lives and the control of the Spirit over our lives? So I want you to find the book of Ephesians, and we're going to first look at Ephesians chapter 3, and then we will turn quickly over to Ephesians chapter 5. That will be our launching point, and then we'll look at a number of other scriptures as I talk about a life lived, controlled by the Spirit, a Spirit, or what our experience should be with and in the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice, first of all, as our jumping off place, Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. I've actually preached these verses to you uh, in another meeting that I was here, and I'm not going to re-preach that message, but I want to point something out. Verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able, aren't you glad God is able? To do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You and I, if we will acknowledge it, have an asking problem because we have a thinking problem. And yet what the Lord teaches us in this verse, if you'll look at the word able, now unto him that is able, speaking of God, that word is the Greek word dunami. I'm told from folks far smarter than me that that word is a word from which we actually bring our English word dynamite over into our language. I I suppose that's true. But the real point is that word speaks of great power. Mr. Strong says it means to be possible. So our understanding is is that with God, everything is possible. We know that, don't we? Well, I want you to note, and if if you mark your Bible, mark this, that it says, Now unto him that is able, to whom everything is possible, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power. That word power is the same word as the word able. Dunami. Dunamis. But I want you to notice where that power resides. Because it worketh in us. You would also recognize that word worketh. If we were to go up to James chapter 5 and verse 16, you would see it translated effectual fervent. Here's what God is saying. In every one of us, there is an effectual fervent power that is the same power that, that is His essence. It is in us. Do you know that power's name? It is the Holy Spirit. 
You and I didn't recognize it. We didn't know it when we trusted Christ as our Savior. But that day in February of 1975, when I kneeled at my sofa and prayed and asked the Lord to be my Savior, beyond my sight, the Spirit of God descended and literally entered into me. And today, though you may not always think my behavior is spiritual in appearance, the Spirit of God resides within my heart. And He will not leave, and He seals me, and I will never have any more of the Holy Spirit than I got on the day when I was saved. The Holy Spirit doesn't meet Himself out in quarters or eighths or sixteenths, The Holy Spirit is a person that comes as that person. And so that Spirit resides in my heart. The issue is never, do I get more of the Holy Spirit? The issue always is, do I allow... Did you hear how I said that? Do I allow the Holy Spirit to control of me? To control more of me? I'll tell a familiar illustration. Maybe you've heard it. It's not original with me. There was a man who wanted to own a beautiful car. And he saved for years to buy a red Corvette. And he bought that red Corvette preacher and it was delivered and he parked, they parked it right in the middle of his driveway. Oh, and he was so happy to have that Corvette. He would go out and wash it. He would polish it. He would wax it. It was a beautiful, beautiful red Corvette. Issue was, he had never learned to drive and didn't have a license. And so everywhere he went, he had to push the car. Would you think that foolish? Would you think that silly? Wouldn't you stop him and say, Hey, dude, (laughs) there's an engine in that thing. If you'll get behind the wheel, there's power available to you without you pushing it. Now listen, that is so obvious to us in that silly illustration and so absent from our thinking when we try to live our lives without the Spirit of God working in our life. Without allowing Him to control and direct and move us and to work through us. I know so many people who try to do the Christian life without the Spirit of God. He's there. They just push their life everywhere they want their life to go. We'll move up to Ephesians chapter 5 and look what God says. A familiar portion of Scripture, verse 18. He says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I could take literally hours to talk about this verse, and I'm not going to, but let me try to illustrate just a few things. Number one, we need to have a very careful understanding of the word filled. Because when we misunderstand the word filled, we can be led astray like many are led astray in our world where we think that what really is wrong with us is is that we didn't get all of the Spirit or enough of the Spirit. Or even worse, the Spirit comes and goes. 
I want you to understand, as I've already said, you got all the Holy Spirit at salvation that you will ever receive. And because you are sealed and kept by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit never comes and goes. The Spirit resides in a believer's heart, even a backslidden believer's heart. Now, they're not in fellowship. There is not a sweet relationship with them, but the Spirit of God does not leave a man because that man is not where the Spirit of God wants him to be. So you get all that you're ever going to have of the Spirit, and He never comes and goes. He stays in the believer's heart. So then, how are we to understand that? You see, to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. God gives us the illustration. He says, look at that man who is filled with alcohol, who is controlled by alcohol. I don't have to demonstrate a drunk to you. You know what a drunk is. His speech is not controlled by himself. His actions are not controlled by himself. He is foolish in his behavior. And and so many bad things can come to his life because he's not in control of himself. He's controlled by alcohol. It's amazing to me in our world that even after God gives us that illustration, so many people think that the filling of the Holy Spirit kind of looks like that. And they fall down on the floor and they're out of control of their bodies and and they're ecstatic in what they do. And, And I don't think God would give us the illustration of a man under the control of the alcohol and then say, well, that's what my Holy Spirit's filling looks like too. No, it doesn't. Because the filling of the Holy Spirit means how much do I let Him control my life? Do I actually allow Him to direct my thinking? Do I actually allow Him to direct my behavior? Do I actually allow Him to direct my speech, my thought life, my family life? Do I allow the Holy Spirit to control my life? Now I want you to understand this very quickly about verse 18. And again, let me give you just a a real brief Greek grammar lesson. The command to be filled with the Spirit, number one, is an imperative. It's not a suggestion. It is a command of God. And if you and I are going to live radically obedient to the Lord, we will do whatever is necessary in our lives to be controlled by the Spirit, not by our flesh. It's an imperative. Number two, it's a verb that is in the present tense. It means that I am to be filled with the Spirit tonight, and I am to to determine in the morning when I get up and walk with the Lord and go out into my life that I'm going to be controlled with the Spirit then. And when I come home tired and my wife is there and needs me to do something, I'm going to be controlled by the Spirit then. And when the circumstances go against me and and it just is so difficult, I'm going to be controlled by the Spirit then. I'm going to be controlled by the Spirit whatever my outward circumstances and whatever the inclination of my flesh It's now and from now on I am to seek to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then I add this. It's in the plural. It's not just for Pastor Jennings. Well, I think the preacher ought to be controlled by the Spirit. I think a Spirit-filled life ought to be evident in the preacher. Well, you know what the preacher can say back to you? 
hey, buddy, you're in Ephesians 5.18 too. And I think the people in the church ought to be filled. I think the people in the pulpit, the people in the pew, the people in the choir loft, I think all of us ought to determine in our lives to be controlled by the Spirit. Preacher, you keep talking like this is something we do. And there's the truth. It is. Oh, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit takes you. You have an ecstatic experience. Oh, no. You, you, you don't just be controlled by the Spirit. The Spirit has to move in and move you and on you. And you have to pray through. That's not true. That's not Scripture. The control of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's there. I have to yield control. I have to stop being me. I've been me a long time. I've got issues with me. (laughs) But I've got to stop being me. And allow the Spirit of God to speak into my heart, to speak into my mind. And there has to be a willful obedience in my heart that says, I will follow the Lord. I will obey the Lord. Oh, how sweet life can be when we are controlled by the Spirit. Our homes will change. Instead of strife and fussing and fighting, there can be real joy and real peace. doesn't mean an absence of difficulty. It just means the presence of peace and joy. Oh, how our workplace can be different. I would have people all the time complain to me about their bosses or about their circumstances, their situations. And, and I'm not trying to denigrate the difficulty of what they were facing. But I'm telling you, if you're facing difficulty in the flesh, no wonder it's harder than it has to be. Face it in the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our, our churches can be different. Man, this... I hope you know you've got an unusual church. You've got a church where people actually like each other. (laughs) That's a wonderful blessing. Don't take it for granted. Be part of keeping it that way. I'm just telling you, everything about life can change when I'm not controlling it. When I'm allowing the Holy Spirit... To who is already within me, effectually, fervently work through me and help me to know what the right thing to say is. Help me to know what the right thing to do is. Help me to know what the right thought process is, what the right lifestyle is. Hey, listen, if the Spirit of God is leading me, He leads me into fruitful places, not frustrating places. Now, what's our problem? If the Spirit of God is within us as believers, if the Spirit of God is effectually, fervently powerful, what is our problem? Well, I'm going to tell you three of them. Here's our first problem. We more often than surrender, grieve the Spirit. We grieve the Spirit. Go over to chapter 4 and verse 30 in the book of Ephesians, will you? As a matter of fact, let's go back to verse 23 and let's just read through it. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Can I just stop here and say for a minute, when we grieve the Spirit, we break the fellowship with the Spirit. When I was a young man in my late teen years, I loved my father and had great respect for my father. He was not yet saved, nor was I. But, but he, was a, he was a good and decent human being, and I loved him. And I can remember one time disobeying him. And I was late 16, 17, something like that. And I thought, hey, I'm too big to get spanked. And, and I, wasn't, I was a little concerned about it, but not overly concerned about it. And when my dad found out and when my dad confronted me, he said this to me. He called me Mickey often. He said, Mickey, you're old enough that I'm not going to spank you or fight you. But he said, I want you to know something. You've disappointed me. That was a hammer blow. I want to tell you, if there was a man on the face of the earth I did not want to disappoint, it was my dad. And to hear that man express to me that I had disappointed him, it changed me radically. I quit doing what I had disappointed him doing. And I said to him, Dad, I'm sorry I did that. I will not do that again. And yet I wonder how often we grieve the Holy Spirit and it never grieves us. Put away lying. Is there such a thing as a white lie? (laughs) There isn't. Let me answer my own question. And yet when we deceive, we, we have a whole medium for deception. It's called social media. We all present ourselves in in ways that make it look better than maybe it actually is. And I'm, I'm not saying if you got a new hairdo and put it on Facebook, you should show yourself in an ugly hairdo. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying we go about trying to make ourselves look better than we actually are. Not only do we deceive, not only do we tell lies. How about angry? Be angry and sin not. Can I say a truth to you? I've lived 73 years. That's not as long as some of you have, and I I get that. But, But I'm going to make a statement that I truly believe from my heart is the truth. This is the angriest generation I've ever lived in. I mean, we shoot people for insane reasons. We are aggrieved and and we think that we have the right to be first and we have the right to have every expectation met and and we think that we have the right to blow up and and, uh, we have the right to have a temper. And I've had men say to me, well, you know, I may be angry, but it's just who I am. And I say to them, stop being who you are. Because God gave you the Holy Spirit 
to change who you are. Man intimidates his wife with his words. In a moment, we'll talk about corrupt communication. He's so angry that, that things that he should never say, he says. And somehow we justify those things to ourselves. And, and we know we shouldn't have done it. And we might in passing say, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Lord, forgive me. And we don't realize we grieve the Spirit of God. We've broken fellowship with the Spirit of God. We're losing a sense of the presence of God in our lives. And we have come to the place where we justify things in our own hearts. Little things we think they are. They are who we are. They define us. We accept them. It's just who I am. Not knowing that it separates us from the fellowship and control of the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want people to live in a nation of, or a state of perpetual guilt. But I'm telling you, I do long for the days where sin mattered. I, often, I don't often preach fairy tales, but I'll share one with you now. Have you ever heard of the princess and the pea? Yeah, the queen mother's looking for a bride for her son, the prince, and he's as handsome as I am. So a lot of young ladies wanted to, you know, meet him. And one lady shows up at the castle door and she's bedraggled and soaked. It's been in a rainstorm. She comes in and the queen thinks, oh, surely this cannot be her. But I'll test her. I'll see if she's princess material. And so she gives her a chamber, a room where she can rest and clean up. And, and the queen mother takes a pea, and she te- a pea that you would eat, a pea in a pod. And she says to the servants, put a mattress on it, put another mattress on it, put another mattress on it. If I remember the fairy tale right, 21 mattresses. And then she says, heap blankets and covers on it and, and uh, puts the lady in the room and comes back the next morning and says to the young lady, well, how did you sleep? And the young lady answered her miserably. There was something in my back all night. You get that, don't you? She was so sensitive to it that she felt it. It troubled her. It bothered her. Hey, when's the last time you threw a tantrum and it really bothered you to the point where you went and apologized to the people that you spouted off to? And you got on your face before God and said, Oh, God, I don't want to be that in my life. When's the last time you were deceptive? When's the last time maybe you told a little white lie? When's the last time a curse word slipped out? Maybe it didn't slip out. Maybe it's common. And it so bothered you. You had such a sense of disappointing the Spirit of God that you went and made that thing right with the person you uttered it to and made it right with God. Here's all I'm saying. We slip through this life thinking that the Holy Spirit just stamps approval on us no matter what we do. And I'm telling you, so much of our behavior grieves Him. We don't understand why we don't have His power. I'll go on in reading. Verse 27, Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more with his hands working 
but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When's the last time the gossip was so sensitive to saying something that was just gossiping? That he or she was moved to plead for forgiveness. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Wait a minute. I thought if I grieved the Holy Spirit, He left me. No! He sealed you till the day of redemption. He doesn't leave when you sin. Get a hold of that. But He's disappointed. Let all bitterness... Folks hold bitterness for years. Can't understand why they don't have joy. Can't understand why they don't have peace in their heart. Can't understand why they're not tender and loving. Can't understand why mercy never seems to come their way. It's because you've broken fellowship with the Holy Spirit by holding on to that bitterness. You've said, no, I'll do it my way. Don't bother me about this. I have something I want to be bitter about. I want to be, I want to hold this grudge. I'm, I'm entitled to this grudge. No, you are not. And your unforgiving spirit and your unforgiving heart are robbing you of the sense of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in your life. He goes on and he says, anger, clamor, evil speaking, let it all be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You see, we want the Holy Spirit to have to fill us. And we don't want any responsibility in having the control of the Holy Spirit. We want it to be ecstatic. We want it to be done to us. When God says, no, 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 it's up to you. If you want to be controlled by the Spirit, get rid of the anger. Get rid of the bitterness. Stop the evil speaking. Clean up the corrupt communication. Stop being deceptive. Do you grieve the Holy Spirit? And are you sensitive to it when you do? Number two, do you quench the Holy Spirit? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Familiar passage again, and I'll try to hurry. Quench not the Spirit. I want to do something that many times we don't do. I want to connect it to the next phrase. Despise not the prophesyings. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? We shut Him down. We simply shut Him down. How does the Spirit of God speak to us? Oh, there's something mystical out there. And the Holy Spirit uh, just overwhelms me and and it's a mystical experience. No, it's not. 
The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Word that He wrote. That He inspired. The Word of God is the mode of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And that's why Paul says, hey, you want to know a quick way to quench the Spirit of God working in your heart? Despise preaching. Despise the proclaimed Word. Despise the truth of my Word. What's that mean, preacher? It, It means that we can hear the truth and know that we are not living in the truth and say, leave me alone. We can come to a point in our lives, and I, I see many people that do this. They'll, they'll come to a point in their lives where they will say something like this. Well, you know, I used to get pretty worked up about that, but I've been saved a long time and I've kind of matured to where that doesn't bother me anymore. Friend, that's not maturity. You don't mature out of conviction. (laughs) You backslide out of conviction. You harden your heart out of conviction. There was a day in your life where you would hear a message preached on a certain topic and, and you knew you were not where you needed to be. And God would speak to your heart about it. And man, when the invitation was given, you would get up and you would be at the altar and you would say, Oh God, will you help me with that? But you know what? They can preach on that topic and it, it doesn't bother me like it used to. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, where you once could convict me, where I once gave you the right to convict me about something, that that doesn't convict me anymore. I don't see anybody else doing it. I'm not so sensitive to that anymore. I, I mean, I've kind of matured. What a dangerous place to be in your life. I said to you last night, and I believe with all my heart, that in our generation we are becoming churches of dry eyes and empty altars. And it isn't because the Word of God has changed. It isn't because the Spirit of God has changed. It's because we've grown tired of radical obedience to the Lord. I had a man one time when I was giving an invitation. He came to the altar and we had assistants that usually met people and prayed with them, but he did this to me, and I came down off the platform. I was glad to talk with him, and he, his first words to me when I got there were, I shouldn't be here. I said, what do you mean you shouldn't be here? And he said, I've been to the altar four or five, maybe even six times on this very thing that you preached about today. And I've, I've started to get right in it and tried to do right in it. And then something would come into my life and I'd walk away from it. And here I am back a second time. Here I am a third time. God doesn't want me down here. And my friend, that is just so wrong. God is willing to meet us where we are. God is willing to forgive. God is willing to restore. God is a God of the second chance. He said to Peter, Peter said, how many times should we forgive him? He said, well, seven? No, I'd say seven times 70. 490. And Jesus was not saying stop at 490. He was saying when a man wants to be right, help him get right. And what the Spirit of God is saying, listen, 
Don't despise the preaching. Respond to the Word. Don't turn it away. Don't turn it down. Don't shut it off. And if you correct it and then you again fail, come on down again. I'm not making light of it. I'm not saying that we should be light about about changes that need to come in our life. But what I am saying is we ought to be super sensitive to the voice of the Spirit of God when He's good enough to speak to us and say, this needs changed in your life. Well, preacher, I can do it without coming down to any altar. You're right. You can. But you're not doing so well on that right now. Because God's probably been speaking to you about something for quite some time. And you keep dealing with it how you're dealing with it. And you keep dealing with it. That's good preaching right there, brother. In other words, it's real easy to make it a little thing. A light thing. Without understanding that having grieved the Spirit, we are now moving into quenching the Spirit. I don't know when God gets tired of convicting me. God never gets tired of convicting me. But how hard does my heart have to become when the seed just bounces off? When's the last time God spoke to your heart and you were so moved you had to respond? Month? Six months? year? Ten years? Have you ever responded? Have you ever been to the altar? Well, there's better preachers than you, preacher. I do not deny that. But the Word doesn't get any truer no matter who says it. And I'm telling you, it's a dangerous place for a Christian to get when we can just tune God out. Say, I know you're digging at my heart right now, but I'll I'll deal with it my way. Just deal with it, brother. And then I'll finally say this, and I will get out of your way. We have to walk in the Spirit. Go over to Galatians. Go back to Galatians with me. Chapter 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a great statement. In other words, if I walk in the Spirit, I'll have the fruit of the Spirit, and I will be able to turn away from the lust of the flesh. Now here's my question. How do you walk in the Spirit? Does God walk you in the Spirit, or do you walk in the Spirit? Huh? Does God make you walk? You are a robot. You will walk in the Spirit. No. I choose to walk in the Spirit. I choose to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. God shows me the right way to go, but I make the choice. Now notice what He says again. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. 
so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are, he's just simply saying this, if you got saved, you're no longer under the law. You have the Spirit. You have the ability to do this. It's your choice. Now, here's the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, Want me to talk about that for a while? You don't have to look on that woman. You don't have to watch that program. You say, well, I, I've never touched another woman. Have you looked on a woman with lust in your heart? And according to Jesus, you're not walking in the Spirit. Man, the Bible's a hard book sometimes. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Ah, glad I'm not guilty of those. Idolatry. Oh no, there's nothing in my heart before God. Boy, we talked about that last night, didn't we? Anytime we think differently than God, we've set up an idol. Witchcraft, hatred. Well, there are some people that need hating. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, <laughs> murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things or abide in such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's all I'm saying, and I'll close. Walking in the Spirit is not something that is forced on me. It's something that I choose to do. And you know how I choose to do it? I say yes to God and no to me. And the hardest thing I do in my life is say no to me. As a matter of fact, it is so hard. I love me so much. It is so hard that without an effectual, fervent prayer, I'm sorry, power working inside my heart where I can go and say, Oh, Holy Spirit, will you help me divert my eyes? Will you help me control my tongue? Will you help me have right thoughts? Will you help me say the right thing? Will you help me be obedient to you? I want to be radically obedient to you, but I cannot do it by myself. But it's my choice. And oh God, will you help me walk in the Spirit by denying mortifying, crucifying my stinking flesh. And when we make that choice, you know what God does? He says, you betcha I'll help you. Now you're asking right because you're thinking right. And I can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever imagine because you are willing to to be controlled by my Spirit. Because you're going to be sensitive when you grieve my Spirit to confess it and correct it. And you're going to be careful when 
you're getting preached to, when the Word of God is being given to you, whether it's through preaching or not, you're going to be careful to not despise it. You're going to be careful to say, yes, Lord, when you convict me about something, I will obey. And, oh God, with all my heart, I will attempt to walk in Your Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And I will say no to me. No. No. But I want it. No. No. But I want it. No. No. Are you saying, preacher, i got to go through all my life? No. 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 Well, probably for a while. But you know what happens? The do's overcome the don'ts. The sweetness of walking in the Lord. I always say at this point, do the do. I think that's cute. Do the do. Concentrate on the do's. Concentrate on studying the Word. Concentrating on building a prayer life. Concentrate on loving your wife like Christ loved the church. Concentrate on edifying things coming out of your mouth. Things that build up and help. Concentrate on esteeming others better than yourselves. Concentrate on on being kind and tenderhearted and long-suffering. Concentrate on being loving towards others who are difficult, even forgiving them for the way they mistreat you. You get busy with the do's. The don'ts won't bother you. And that's walking in the Spirit. Where are you? Where are you? God, help us. We want to be controlled by your Spirit. You told us to be. You put Him right there. Help us, God, to walk in the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the few moments you've given us tonight. Lord, I know my heart. Sometimes I am so insensitive to the way I grieve you. Oh, Spirit of God, will you forgive me? Will you help me to remember that those little things that seem like such little grievances, they, dis- they cause you to be disappointed in me. They break our fellowship. Oh, God, help me to be as sensitive to those Little things that I think I'm entitled to. Help me to be as sensitive to those as that princess was to that pea. Oh God, may I never be a man who quenches your spirit. Who hears your word, whether it be through preaching or reading, however the medium. Help me never to hear your word and know that you have addressed something in my life and just say, eh. Not that big a deal. Or an outright no. And oh God, will you help me to be the kind of man who can say no to himself? No, I won't look at that. No, I will not react that way. I won't speak like that to my wife or my children. No, I won't go in that place. No, I won't watch that. No, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to tell that story. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be deceptive. No, 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 no. Because God, I would rather be known as being merciful and forgiving and loving 
I'd rather be a light for you. I'd rather be one who can attract souls to you. God, help me to concentrate on the do's more than the don'ts. Now, folks, tonight, being controlled by the Spirit is our choice. And I'm finished, and my invitation is over. But if God has spoken to your heart, I pray that you will in no wise grieve or quench Him, but respond to Him. He wants to help you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. God, help us to be sensitive. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you quietly stand to your feet?